Hello, my name is Arush Marotra, and welcome to episode 3 of Unjustified. In our previous episode, we took a closer look at the unethical interrogation processes of the police through examining the case of the Fairbanks Four. In this episode, we turn to another issue present in the heartbreaking story of Clifford Williams Jr. At about 2 a.m. on May 2, 1976, Jeanette Williams was shot to death in her apartment in the Newtown neighborhood of Jacksonville, Florida. Her partner, 26-year-old Nina Marshall, was also shot. Nina, who had not suffered a fatal injury, dropped to the floor and pretended to be dead. Nina claimed that she waited till after the men left before leaving the apartment to get help. Nina was immediately rushed to University Hospital and told police that her partner Jeanette, who was 30, was still at the apartment. Furthermore, she told officers that she and Jeanette had been shot by two men who stood at the foot of the bed. She claimed that one of her shooters was Clifford Williams Jr., who was not related to Jeanette Williams. He was 33, owned a pool hall, and was a known heroin dealer. Nina was an addict and claimed that Clifford had shot them because she owed him $100. By the time the police arrived, a crowd had gathered near the apartment. Many of these people, including Clifford Williams, had been at a party just upstreet when they heard shots being fired. Police found Jeanette Williams' body inside the apartment and began searching the crowd for witnesses. Clifford was in the crowd like many of the other partygoers while the police investigated the crime scene. He was quickly arrested. As he was being taken away, he yelled out for someone to call an attorney and get a list of the partygoers who could testify that he was at the party with them, which he was. Ten minutes later, the hospital called, claiming that Nina had named the second shooter, Nathan Myers, who was Clifford's nephew and managed the pool hall. Nathan, who was 18 and had no violent criminal record, was also arrested that evening. Both men were tested for gunshot residue a few hours later. Their tests both came back negative. The bedroom where the women were shot was very small, with the bed taking up most of the space. The space at the foot of the bed, where Nina claimed the two men were standing, was cramped and hard to get to. Interestingly, the initial investigation also found holes in the window curtains and screen, and broken glass on the bed, suggesting the shots came from outside. But the investigating officers dismissed that scenario just because it clashed with Nina's statements. Instead, they wrote, and I quote, It appears as though the suspects in this case intended to make it look as though the victims had been shot by someone from the bedroom window, end quote. The officers would also note in the report that the physical evidence at the scene is entirely consistent with the statements of the victim. That simply was not the case. Nathan and Clifford were each charged with murder and attempted murder, with Clifford facing the death penalty if convicted. The prosecutors tried to cut a deal with Nathan, promising him a reduced sentence if he pleaded guilty and testified against his uncle. He declined. At that time, Florida courts allowed defense attorneys to make the final closing argument if they waived calling their own witnesses. Clifford and Myers' attorneys used this strategy. The jury didn't hear about the alibis, the glass fragments on the bed, the holes in the window screen, or the failure to find evidence of a second gun. When one of the defense attorneys recalled an evidence technician to discuss testing the defendant's clothes for blood, he also confirmed that the technician had swapped their hands to test for gunpowder. 
but the defense attorney never asked about the results of those tests, which indicated that Clifford and Myers were innocent. Due to the failures on the part of their defense attorneys, both men were convicted. Both Clifford and Nathan were eventually sentenced to life in prison with parole possible after 25 years. Nathan had challenged his conviction several times, first in 1987 and then later in 2014. Both appeals were denied. In early 2017, Nathan read a newspaper article about the formation of a conviction integrity unit in the state attorney's office. He quickly wrote to the state attorney, Melissa Nelson, asserting his and his uncle's innocence based on four key points. First, the numerous alibi witnesses who had not been called at trial. Second, the results of the gunshot residue test. Third, the gunshot residue on the window frame and other forensic evidence suggesting the shooting had come from outside the bedroom. And fourth, the insufficiency of Nina's testimony. In a follow-up letter, Nathan included a copy of the ballistics report and a surprising piece of potential new evidence. A man named Nathaniel Lawson had already confessed to the crime before he died in 1994. The Fourth Circuit CIU began a reinvestigation of the case. There were several complications. Nina had died in 2001, as had several potential alibi witnesses. But the forensic evidence was powerful. In its report, the CIU said that Clifford and Nathan had been convicted in part due to confirmation bias by the police. While the police had probable cause to arrest the defendants, the report said, the inconsistencies in victim Nina's accounts, the changes to an evolution of her testimony, and the evidence available over the course of this case was sufficiently significant to call the prosecution's attention to the weakness of their premise. The men were also victims of ineffective counsel, the report said. Their attorney's failure to call any alibi witnesses or introduce physical or forensic evidence to challenge the state's theory of the crime. Due to this overwhelming evidence, both Nathan, now 61, and Clifford, now 76, were released in 2019, having spent 43 years in prison. Let's take a listen to what the prosecutor has to say at the final hearing. As outlined in our report, the state is not aware of any credible evidence that would sustain a finding of guilt in this case. And for that reason, at this time, the state of Florida dismisses the indictments that were returned against Mr. Williams and Mr. Myers. According to the Florida Times Union, Nathan said after the ruling, I'm not bitter for what happened to me because the Lord Jesus Christ made me to be a man. I was a kid when I came to prison. I grew up on my own, so I understand the things a man ought to do. What I want to do now is have a chance to go out and be that man. Nathan received $2 million in state compensation in early 2020. Clifford, because of a previous felony conviction, was ineligible under Florida law. However, in June of 2020, Governor of Florida signed legislation that reversed that law, allowing former convicts like Clifford to receive compensation as well. This case, like many others, illustrates another major issue in our justice system, false testimony. Police surveys show that eyewitness testimony is the main form of evidence in more than 20% of cases. However, research shows that 75% of false convictions are caused by an inaccurate eyewitness statement. One study estimated that up to 10,000 people 
may be wrongfully convicted of serious crimes each year. This means that approximately 7,500 of those people are in prison based on the false testimony of another. No one ever figured out the reason why Nina falsely claimed that Clifford and Nathan were the murderers, and with Nina having passed away in 2001, no one will ever know for sure. Thank you for listening to episode 3 of Unjustified, and remember that injustice prevails where hopelessness persists.